1: This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd Out Media Network. Oh, yeah. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your... I got a little bit of a break from quarter zip weather here. Like it, it, we got a we got a little warm up. I like it. Um, my guest may or may not. I know he's a fall guy. I'm joined today by uh, Hale Marcy staff writer Steve Mark. Steve, thank you for being back on the show. How are you, man?
0: Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on. And yes, it is getting colder. I am loving it. Break out the quarter zips. I just can't get enough. I was slightly disappointed. It wasn't like colder in Minneapolis.
1: What was, what was the game? What was the temperature? Wasn't it in the fifties
0: at kickoff? I think it was like 48. I would have liked it a little bit more chillier, maybe oh, throwing some snowflakes. Let's go. This is big 10 no, football no. in the fall, Minnesota.
1: No, 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 no. Oh. this is, this is awful. Like now I got, no, cause I have to manage like what I'm going to do outside. Like I want to be outside and be warm. Like I don't want to be out there and like my hands are cold. Also the other thing, and this is a very like specific thing to like my role is that when we start to get to this time of the season, it gets to be a lot more difficult to do what I do on the sidelines of high school games. Like I'm walking around with my gimbal and my camera, and I'm trying to tweet out stuff and I'm trying to like, it's much more difficult as my fingers start to get frozen. Um, as I got a little bit of a taste of uh, this past week uh, when I was at, out in Beatrice, but it was just like, just the, like the beginnings of the frozen fingers, like by the end of the game, like it was a little rough. And I know that no one is playing this tiny violin with me right now on this, but still like it, it starts to impact the job. I got to bring hand warmers and stuff. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've lived that life where you're on the sideline of a, of a, of a high school playoff game in, in November and it's uh, around 40 degrees and dropping and you're <laughs> right. To, and you want to tweet out, tweet out stuff and uh your your fingers are shaking oh yeah I've been there
1: Um, it's It's rough like do you like what was because you've done this too like do you remember like what's the coldest one you've had to do do you remember yes I do it'll always stay stay (laughs) with me I was at Elkhorn South um York
0: the York Dukes uh coach Glenn Snodgrass took the Dukes up to uh, Omaha for a for a playoff battle with Elkhorn South. Um, I believe they won that game like ten to three. It was just a, a great football game, defensive football game. But man, I don't know, twenty degrees. It had to been. Um, yeah, it was. And for what I did, I <laughs> took pictures in the first half and tried to get video in the second half. And man, a lot some sh- shaky footage. Let's say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for that game but yeah it was Elkhorn South um maybe like 2000 2018 2017
1: when they when they won state so yeah around there so I think around that I, the same time it was the year it was Xavier Betts senior season so the year that um Bellevue West won state and They were playing at, I don't forget who they were playing. It was a playoff game at Bellevue West. It'll be a common theme. All of these will be playoff games, unless you get something random. Um, And I still like, I have all the pictures safe because like the amount of snow that they got like the day before, and then you had to push it to the side. um, And there was just ice everywhere. And it was just freezing that day or that night. Um, And it is weird. Like some of those times, like you get to those games and you get there and it might be about 40 and you're like, Oh, okay. This might end up being okay. And then you remember that that temperature is going to drop like a stone. Like as you go through the rest (laughs) of that game and you get to halftime and it's just rough. Um, Yeah. I'm not looking forward to getting to that type of weather, but this year I'm going to be prepared, man. I'm coming out with, they were thermals. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be layered up and ready to go. Cause you got, you got to keep the content going. It's all about the content
0: yeah just because it gets a little cold out doesn't mean you need to stop doing your job so bundle up and and get to it that's always that's always what i try to tell myself when i was shipping
1: <laughs> right i just hear aaron's voice in my head say like, do it for the content yeah all right now each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show the first one is called coach speak of course well we'll go over something that a player a coach or a talking headset and we'll give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant coach speak to real talk Uh, This week comes courtesy of Nebraska defensive back Cam Taylor Britt, who had this to say um, after, you know, Nebraska's loss to Minnesota this weekend. He said, quote, we had to flip the switch and wake up the whole defense and not just even talking about myself. It's everybody on the team. Everybody's just got to wake up. We've been playing in these night games and everybody got to sleep in. I don't feel like everybody was awake and ready to play this game. So coming out in the second half, I was just on everybody to wake up. Let's go out there and play our football. And it showed in the second half. Let's break that down. Steve, what does this mean?
0: Yeah. So I think Cam is um, saying everything that fans wanted to say, like um, they just didn't show up um, to start that game against the team that was ready to go coming. Now I don't, yeah. Um, Nebraska played, what was it? Eight straight, eight straight weeks of football and yep. uh, Minnesota was coming off a bye week So maybe that has to do with some of it, but at the end of the day, um, if you're the coaching staff, if you're the players, your job is you're, you're there to play a football game and, and you, that was a game that you needed. Um, now it gets really dicey to try to get to that six win bull qualifier. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're the football team, if you're the uh, coaching staff, you, you want, you need to be ready to to go in a game like that. And uh, yeah, maybe the eight straight weeks of football had something to play with it. There was a lot of probably tired minds and bodies, but again, that's how the schedule everybody, everybody goes through that. Um, so that's, that's what I kind of think Cam was trying to get at. He was saying everything that, that the fans wanted were thinking at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there, there is, to me, there's some layers to this one too, because I do think I, I agree with you that the eight straight games probably played a role. Um, and you can't, you can't, I guess, I don't, I don't want to just completely throw that to the side because that, that is a factor. Um, and you do end up like, I mean, it matters that, that you played a straight football games, but, and so it just physically, but there was something that kind of caught, two things that caught my eye that I definitely want to mention Um, One thing that caught my attention during the week was leading up to this game was Scott Frost telling his team that we've got to put everything into this and then we can get the break. I don't like that mentally. Like, I just think that as much, even as much like quote unquote progress as as we've talked about this program having, I still think that the team overall, and and when I say team, I mean the coaches and the players are still too fragile for that to be the case. I, I just don't think that this program is in a spot right now where they can say oh yeah like it's all in on on this one thing and then we'll get to that break and we'll be okay because i just think that that does something to you mentally when you're just not ready for all of that right like i didn't like that at all the other thing that caught my attention after the game and i could have included this in that quote from cam was him then saying his extended comments or when he was maybe asked to follow up you were in the room was when he said That, you know, coach noticed it too before the game and tried to call it out and the guys still didn't wake up. That to me is concerning. I like if you're I know because I've heard it now for the last like over 24 hours, That fans really grabbed on to the part of the quote that I read and that, you know, the you know, we needed to wake up and Scott Frost saying the stuff about juice. We didn't have enough juice. That's what everyone is paying attention to. But that next layer of coach recognized it, called it out, and it still didn't work, that part is really concerning.
0: Sounds like a bad recipe, right? Like a recipe yeah. for losses like the rest of this
1: season. It really does because it not only it, it's weird because, you know, we knew that the, the very end of the schedule um, with the is it was, or Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, that that part of the schedule was going to be tough no matter what. Now you add in the Minnesota loss, which is why you could not have lost that game. And now all of a sudden, Purdue looks kind of game the same way that I actually thought Minnesota, like it ties in together because I actually thought Minnesota, um, for as much as people had kind of talked about them, like and kind of, I think, overlooked that game a little bit to some extent. And Nebraska was favored slightly on the road. Um, I think people were doing the same thing with Purdue. And I, I think it was Derek that I had on like maybe, maybe two weeks ago. Or uh, we were just talking about it. And he was like, I don't, people noticing that Purdue is actually okay this year. They're not as bad. I don't think they were as bad as people like kind of think they are. And then lo and behold, you know, they go out and pull off the upset. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But like, my point is, is that Nebraska's remaining schedule, there are no like, hey, they're just going to go out and win that game. And then when you combine that with, oh no, the wheels might be coming off mentally because they lost another game. Like it, it is a bad recipe for what could, it would still is four more football games left. It, I, it's just a really tough situation for them to be in.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that I've kind of like noticed for a while now, obviously. And I know fans like are called fans for a reason, like they're fanatics and they think their team is, you know, gonna go in and win. But like going into the Minnesota game, Minnesota, I put along with like, um, Purdue as in they shouldn't be, like these teams these big west teams that you think Nebraska should win should not be chalked up as wins and like as much as they are like there is no reason for anyone to think that Nebraska was going to go up to Minnesota and win that game just because it's Minnesota there's like a negative connotation with like Minnesota and Purdue being these like oh Nebraska is going to go up there and win like no no not at all they're not seeing that yeah, they're not as bad as people think. Minnesota is not as bad as people think. Purdue is going to come in here, might be ranked, right? right they're not right. as bad as people think. The defense is better than you think. Um, they have two quarterbacks that they could throw out there and and do well. And oh, then... I
1: already have, like, I just had it. I'm shaking my head, and I, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm shaking my head because it just hit me about what the storyline is going to be for that week leading up with the two quarterbacks. It's going to cause confusion. It's going to be, you know, but, and also at the same time though, Jeff Brom and PJ Fleck have had Scott Frost number while they've been there and he's been here, right? Like it's two coaching Mm -hmm. matchups that have just not gone well because even to illustrate your point even more, like it was two years ago now when Rondell Moore was hurt in that game against Purdue and there was such a feeling about, oh, Nebraska's going to go get Purdue. They're going to beat them. And then they lost that game anyway. Um, it, it's just, it, there's just, and people know this, but I feel like are still kind of reluctant to admit that the gap between these teams in the big 10 West and uh, in, in the big 10 at large, but in the big 10 West, is just so small. Like there really just isn't all that much difference and if you have a team that doesn't make mistakes and get in their own way, or the the kind like, of what PJ Fleck was saying about having that strong culture, and you know what you're going to lean on when times get tough, like it it really comes out to your advantage. And Nebraska hasn't had that, and it really. And to your overall point, I agree. Like, it, I think at this stage, like there there are no like, oh yeah, Nebraska's just going to go win that game, and we should just yeah. count that as a win. They're just not that program right now.
0: No, they aren't. And and to, to piggyback, t- piggyback off the two quarterbacks from Purdue, they're actually going to throw out three of them, probably. Uh, the third ones are Burton. Uh, he's like a run first guy, just like Minnesota had uh, to throw a change up into everything. But yeah, it's Nebraska fans need to realize that the Big Ten West teams that you think are going to be a wins or not them like Purdue is better than you think Minnesota is better than you think Wisconsin doesn't seem to have a quarterback right now but they're going to be tough
1: yeah uh, but you can't like Nebraska has not beaten Wisconsin since Bo Pelini was coaching yeah. here like I don't yeah I, I would never I like and I people and that was starting to kind of bubble up as people were thinking that, oh, yeah, they're going to – Nebraska will get back on track before the Minnesota game. And then when they get to Wisconsin, they could beat them and all of that stuff. Like, I, that's one of those that it, you have to see it to believe it with Wisconsin. Yeah. Just the style clash in that game and the way that Wisconsin runs their program um, just isn't good. But the thing is, it's funny, we're talking about the, the fan aspect of this. I always have wondered this, and I really do think that the way things have played out Shows this. I think that the players and coaches have a little bit of that feeling too that oh we're nebraska and that's minnesota they lost to bowling green they're down um their top two running backs like they're not going to beat us like oh we're nebraska it's a new season and we're playing illinois that they wouldn't beat us like i i think that that's also a player and coach thing as well i don't think that that just inflicts nebraska fans um and and i understand why it does with the fans like you said um that makes sense to me it doesn't make sense to me at all while why it feels like players and coaches also have that feeling despite them continuing to say on a weekly basis um, nameless faithfuls opponent
0: yeah yeah they they say the right stuff in the in the press conferences but I think deep down there's probably a little bit about that yeah
1: yeah like it, it, it's just and so it's going to make for I don't I don't even know what the word my initial word was going to be interesting um, it's, it's going to be a lot of hand-wringing. I still can't find the word of what the end of this season is going to be like um, because, <laughs> I mean, as, as we've kind of alluded to, like I really think that there's a chance that they don't win another game. Mm-hmm. And that would be in year four of Scott Frost with a four-year starting quarterback, a level of experience and talent on defense that coaches would just kill for like it just like you really want that level of experience and talent on defense, especially in this conference, you really need that. Um, And for them to basically lose out if that ends up being what happens, like it, it would be very bad, um, obviously. And there are going to be some really tough conversations um, that, that will need to happen, because one of the things now, I'll leave it here on this particular point, because there'll be plenty of time to talk about it. Um, one of the things that I'm already starting to see bubble up, and I think that it's the wrong way to approach this, and maybe you disagree, is that, yeah, maybe you know, they just need to come back next year with a like, retooled uh, assistant coaching staff. We're past that point. The, the really like kind of unfortunate thing about, uh, about how this is all set up is that when you bring your entire staff with you to a job, that's your right, but then when things don't go well, you don't really take that reset button. That reset button or that eject seat is always there for coaches at the beginning of their tenures. We, we see it all the time, right? Scott mm-hmm. Ross elected not to do that. Um, and ride it out and double down. And then not only double down, like Mike Dawson left, he brought Mike Dawson back, gave him a different role, like all of that stuff. Like, I don't think that that's going to be the solution to this at the end of the year. If in fact there needs to be a change made, and if in fact they lose out, especially, um, it's just going to be, yeah, it's going to be rough if they continue to lose. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think you kind of see see that across across the nation in, in college football um, just the year before the coach kind of gets one more season. You, you generally see a staff uh, shakeup right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that kind of generally happens all the time. Most recently, maybe I think re- I remember Tom Herman at Texas. Yeah,
1: that was the first one I thought of actually. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just like a shake up with the staff. And then the next year if things still don't go right. It's kind of the head coach's time. So um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Um, there doesn't really seem to be like this, these last four games, um there are winnable they're all winnable games even, i'll even put ohio state in there honestly but i don't think it's like the usual juggernaut even though they've kind of looked like look like your normal ohio state uh, recently but um yeah i just <laughs> it's, looked- well but
1: see the prop part of the problem too is is for them to go like run the table to end the year would be something so incredibly different than what they've done under Frost at this point. I, I know for a fact, I know, cause I've looked it up before that they've not won three games in a row under him. i it's been few and far between for sure that they've won two in a row, especially big 10 games, especially road games. Like it's just, and so t- yes, technically it could happen. And I do agree with you though, that um, if the Nebraska that played against Oklahoma in parts of that game, say for the penalties, Nebraska that showed up for Northwestern, obviously the one that played against Michigan, if they were to show up like that in these remaining games, um, they'd have a chance in all of them. Um, but none of but none of them are like slam dunk losses if they played like that, and none of but none of them are also slam dunk wins even if they played like that, right? So like that's where you get to this weird spot with this team.
0: Yeah, and I should clarify. I do think the the remaining schedule are all winnable games, but I should clarify that that's extremely unlikely that I think that they're going yeah, to get like, some wins and, <laughs> and with this. So
1: it, it's just a, it's a really really tough spot, and I and I don't I actually go back and forth on whether or not it's a good thing right now that they have the bye week, um, because on one hand, yeah, physically it's obviously a good thing, like they played a straight games and they need to have that break, though it should be noted that part of the reason why they played those eight straight games is because of the way that they kind of uh, changed the schedule around um, and they wanted that to be (laughs) end up being the case. Um, But on the other hand, it would be nice for them to have a game so they could just get that one out of their system and get a win if possible. Um, but we'll see kind of moving forward. Like I said, there'll be a lot of time to kind of dissect that um in the coming weeks because one of the things that I wanted to get to, and we we one of the topics or parts of this we already kind of alluded to that there was a lot of wacky stuff that happened in college football over this past this past weekend, like the Nebraska game happened and it was what it was. Um, it was a level an eleven a.m. game, so after that, you kind of get an idea to kind of bounce around and watch some other games, um, which I always think is fun. Like we don't get to do enough of that in this job, uh, so it's always fun to be able to kind of or at least live to be able to watch them live. So I want to start here with the team that Nebraska is going to play next week and a team they'll play, you know, to close out the season, the Iowa Purdue game. Like how what was your level of surprise that that was the way that that game went?
0: Not surprised because uh, going into that game, I was kind of curious about it, and I looked up the history, the recent history of that series, and I believe Purdue is now three and one in its last uh, four games against Iowa. And so that for whatever reason, I even sent out a tweet earlier in the week that you know how Northwestern is Nebraska's kind of bugaboo the, the 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 team that always okay. kind of Um, seems to have like wacky games and just close games aside from this this year obviously but that is Nebraska Northwestern is um, Iowa and Purdue just for some reason Jeff Brom has Iowa's number and um, an interesting fact those so before this game um, Purdue was they had won the last two matchups and they had both um, both those games were uh, they were starting different quarterbacks. So no matter who was that quarterback, uh, Purdue was getting out of there out, out of that game with Iowa at the win. And um, yeah, I think it was th- they played three guys. Um, Purdue did um, last Saturday in that win. <laughs> they still got out of there with the with the win. So um, yeah, I, I generally wasn't wasn't surprised by um, Purdue's Purdue's win, but man, it's just kind of wacky how. Um, there's just always that one team that kind of gives, gives another a problem.
1: Yeah, it's always wild how that happens. And I think some of this with that particular series um, is just the styles that the team play. And I think that in this particular game, Um, Iowa being banged up in the secondary, like it was the, like, honestly, one of the worst teams in the conference for Iowa to have to play, um, because number one, obviously they kind of have their number for whatever reason, but then also the strength of them with their passing game with David Bell, um, I can continue to just picture him running down the running up and down the field on them. Um, it, it's just really interesting. Like, and it's crazy how some teams, like, and it's, it's weird too, like, for on the flip side of that, the one team, even though we were just talking about them and, like, don't ever, don't take the game for granted, Nebraska has, in stretches at least, played Wisconsin very close. Like, and to me, that's, and, and it, they, those scores, like, if you've we've really watched those games recently, like, they end up being like a 10, 14 point win for Wisconsin, but it's always like, you know, some like weird play where, it, well, weird, became like the norm with the special teams plays that wisconsin comes up with against nebraska or like nebraska if you go look at the yardage nebraska has a lot of yards that they put up on wisconsin over the scott frost tenure um the points just don't match it up like for whatever reason like there are certain teams that just match up really well with others and that purdue team is definitely one with iowa and it's just an interesting clash um and frankly what is what Nebraska's goal for their offense really was to like come into the Big Ten and like have that clash of styles to be able to execute that. They just haven't been able to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said uh, before, uh, Iowa's uh, defense was kind of banged up, especially in defensive defensive backfield. And that was Riley Moss, a starting quarterback cornerback, uh, not playing. And so to have your not to have your top quarter uh, corner um, not match out there, not match up out there when you have a guy like David Bell, that that's rough.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the other things, too, is um, Cincinnati got another win this week. So they're now up to number two. Um, I am I, I somehow well, somehow is the right phrase. I know how um, I've become like the noted like G5 hater um, around the Hill <laughs> Varsity Network of podcast. Like there was a time that Derek had me on the varsity club literally to argue with me about um, <laughs> G5's team making it to the playoffs. I don't believe they can make it. But have your own playoff. But um, Cincinnati (laughs) is the exception to the rule for this particular season. I feel like they built the resume um, because to me, my whole point, and it's fair or unfair, part of my point is, is that if you're going to be a G5 team that that, like knocks down that door and gets into the playoff, you really need a two year resume um, to be able to do it. Cincinnati would have that if they continue this season. Um, and go undefeated. They won again this weekend. They are now number two um, in the latest AP poll that was released this morning. Uh, we record this uh, on Monday mornings, and so like, there. De- I first pers- like normally I am not rooting for this to happen because I think that they would just end up being a sacrificial lamb. But <laughs> as weird as things have been this year in college football, like I'm actually kind of excited to see if Cincinnati can keep this thing rolling.
0: Yeah, I think they deserve, the, they deserve the shot to go into a playoff. Um, it's been two straight years now of, of them looking like the real deal. And I think um, that they really deserve um, a chance to get into the playoff and, and show people what they can do. I think it's uh, good for college football and everything. And um, Luke Fickle has that, has that program running strong.
1: Yeah, one of the things that, and, and listen, because of what also was happening around college football at this time, like with coaches being fired and we're going to get to one of them here in a second, I guess, technically Ordron wasn't fired, but we'll get to Yeah, that. it's weird. So like that was a weird situation that we definitely got to talk about next, but like With but how this ties in with Luke Fickle is everyone that's going to have an opening wants Luke Fickle, right? Like, I you don't even need to write that column when it comes like (laughs) when you have an opening, like, just copy and paste Luke Fickle's name in there, like, everybody wants him, right? Um, and but what I find really interesting about this is that if he can get Cincinnati to the playoff from that from the AAC. And then knowing that they're going into the Big 12, like I was reading about this recently, like they're trying to also build like, so like upgrade some facilities and get like a football complex and all of that. Like there was a really good, it was who I believe maybe Pete Hamill that wrote it right. It was really good detailed look into their program where like their strength and conditioning coaches are out here making meals for the team and like they don't have like nutrition and stuff like there is no Dave Ellis um, at the Cincinnati uh, football program so like as they continue to ramp that stuff up like I wonder if that helps them keep him like he seems to really like it there like Mm -hmm. I think if there was ever a time to where like a coach says nah you know what I don't really need to make that move to, you know, a different power five league or to a quote unquote bigger job because look what we've got going here. I'm, I'm an Ohio guy um, and we're going to eventually get into the big 12 and, and with Oklahoma leaving, like that thing's going to be wide open. Like who knows? Like we could go in there, raise our recruiting profile, and really start to do some things. I've now talked myself into this actually now, maybe now he should stay. Um, okay. I just think that's going to be a fascinating sub a subplot um, as all of these teams now start, not all of them, but a lot of these teams start to have these openings.
0: Yeah. He does seem like a, a all Ohio guy, because I think in that same Yahoo report, they said that he and his, he and his wife and family have like never lived outside of the state of Ohio. Yeah. Like during, I did. Yeah. That
1: wasn't like, that article. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I just think that, the way he's got everything going on with that program and what that program has it um, going on um, with the, with the big 12, I just think they have such a good thing going and the possibilities are endless with them going to the big 12 and um, with the playoff eventually kind of hopefully, hopefully I'm getting bigger here. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, Cincinnati has a great thing going on and, and fickle is going to be the top, top guy um, when, when the positions come open, but it'll be really interesting to see what he, he wants to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, we, we alluded to this a little bit. The LSU situation um, may have, well, actually, I was going to say this might have been the wackiest thing all weekend, but there was another <laughs> SEC thing that we will get to that I don't know how to rank them, to be honest. Um, they're parting ways with Ed Orgeron, um, who, I mean, he was great from a wins and loss standpoint overall at LSU. Obviously, they won the national championship a couple of years ago with kind of that huge run with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all those guys um, and, like, had all of those draft picks from the team. It, there's, there's a lot to this situation because they also had not been winning at the level these last two years, like, life at the Burrow, basically – Um, that LSU would want to see, especially given how much, like those recruiting classes have been monsters as well, so it is not like lining up to what they need to be doing. And oh, by the way, uh, and and this is always a factor, that you also have to watch like your rivals in the SEC continue to ascend or stay where they are in the case of Alabama winning another national championship last season, right? And they also had that special tie with Nick Saban with him having been there. So like all of that on the field (laughs) but then you compound that with all of the stuff off the field and I don't know if did you get a chance to read it was the athletic right what that had all of the stuff about um and how he had the creepy stuff with the um administrator's wife um at the gas station and how you know basically Ed got divorced right before he had got that big contract the six years 42 million dollar extension and Basically, the picture that has been painted from people in and around the LSU program is that Ed said, hey, man, I want to live my life and kind of live the single life and be out here living the life after winning the national championship, which on one hand, I, like you, you can't fault him and that's not like illegal or anything. But on the other hand, you can't then also like hit on an administrator's wife and then also like start to have that stuff affect your job performance because there's stuff in, the, in that report about, hey, he was bringing women around the facility and that sort of thing. Like you got to keep those two things separate because the, the second that it starts to go wrong or it starts to go poorly with wins and losses, exactly what happened to him was going to happen, right? LSU's administration was going to be like, eh, we're not going to look the other way so much on this anymore. Like that whole thing is kind of a mess. But then all that being said, he's going to stay there and coach for the through the season.
0: It's so weird.
1: (laughs) It's such a bizarre.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, like, like you said, it's such a weird and bizarre, bizarre thing because um, it seems like he got too comfortable, I guess. Um, And yeah, and like when you when you get too comfortable, it starts affecting your work-life balance um obviously there's a lot of off the field stuff with with ed uh, with ed so um yeah they 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 caught lightning in a bottle with joe brady being the offensive coordinator and and joe burrow and that magnificent historical offense. God, that they that had
1: offense in. was so good
0: yeah it was so great but but then just obviously look i'm not trying to live tell tell another human being how to live their life and everything but like if you're the head coach of lsu and you're such a high profile character in a sport and like in a state I don't think you should be doing stuff like that. Right. No. Like, especially <laughs> no. when you're not winning as much
1: as, as you were previously. And the, and you know how you know that though, is that you don't ever hear about this. Like this never, like, it like you, like there are always whispers about coaches because in general, like they're like just highly paid guys that have good charisma Um, And so, like, you have, like, some, like, whispers every once in a while, but you generally, like, don't have the level of, like, because there's, like, photos out here of, like, Mm -hmm. him half naked in bed with a woman. Like, you just don't ever see that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how, like, and so you just have to be smarter about the situation. Um, And you also, and it's like anything else. Like, this is like, you know anyone else listening to this in their job, like if they were out here living the life, um, wanting to party all the time, the second that that really starts to affect your actual work, like that ends up being a problem. Like that's not something that would be unique to a college football coach. Like that could happen to anybody. Um, You just gotta be smarter than to do that. Like it's just not, and so, and that's great. And what the, the thing I always think about in these situations though, if this is the stuff that we know, that has been reported. What are the things that are out there that have happened that, like, you know, he didn't either get caught with or we just people just haven't really said yet because they still kind of like him? Um, As evidenced by... Did you see that as part of the separation here, like, he's contracted to come to, like, a couple LSU events a year? Like, it's it's, it's just so weird. Like, the whole... Like you said, like, the whole thing has been bizarre. Um, And then on top of all of that, because they had actually been working on this over the last week like they went out and upset Florida this week (laughs) like after all that like it's just such a strange it just
0: it just tells you how good LSU can can be if they have like a confident no drama head coach right
1: yeah I've always like like LSU is one of those programs that I always maintain like should never be just average, like not even that like they shouldn't be bad. Like they should never be average, um, just because of the way, like you go and look, like the amount of recruits that they have in that state, like and then because they can also pull from Texas and you can pull from Florida, like you basically have the whole southeast. Um, you've got obviously one of the best um, atmospheres in all of college football in Death Valley. Uh, Which is still on my bucket list um, for for college football venues I want to go there at night so bad like I have a list and that is way up there um, on the list and so yeah they should never be average and we've seen what it can be when it when it's really rolling like we've seen it where whether it was that one year with Orgeron but what Saban had built there. Um, was really the blueprint of what it could be. Obviously, Les Miles had a lot of success there um, as well. And so we just, you know, we just see. Like, and then so transitioning here and staying in the SEC, as we talk about all of the different kind of weird things that happened, like, I don't even know what to do with this Tennessee thing. So Ole Miss, obviously, Lane Kiffin comes back to coach against Tennessee um, at at Ole Miss. And first of all, I don't understand – I, okay, I understand like, kind of the fan-based passion against Lane for leaving them like that to go to Oakland. The only thing that I would say, though, is that this just as recently as this past week leading up to the game, Lane Kiffin actually came out and said on the record that he kind of regretted leaving Tennessee because he really liked that job. So then you get that as the background, right? And then you get into the game and then Ole Miss is winning the game. The game is basically in hand and stuff starts flying from the stands. Like you've got golf balls flying at Lane Kiffin. You think he caught one. Um, He definitely uh, Odell that water bottle coming off of the field. Like there was the uh, now iconic picture of the mustard sitting on the field um, from people throwing a, a bottle of mustard. Like, I just don't like, and, and good on, I'll start with the good, good on um, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner for issuing a really harsh statement. Like he was really strong in his language about that not being acceptable. Like that was a good job to really react quickly to that. But I just don't even know like where to begin with what the debacle was that we saw in that game. So
0: I think uh, a younger version of Lane and a more mature, uh, less mature version of Lane would have handled what, what went down at Tennessee differently. But I think, to I, I want to give him credit because I think as he's as his career has gone on, he's he's grown up a bit, but he's still done a good job of staying true to who he actually is. And that's kind of like a quirky, yep. funny, funny yep. dude um, that makes fun of himself and everything like that. So, yeah, just, I mean, (laughs) the Tennessee fans, they went into that game thinking they are going to go in with a war with this guy that kind (laughs) of left us uh, for the NFL. But um, yeah, that, that had to be that I can't wait to rewatch it. Obviously I followed it on social media when it was happening, but I I can't wait to rewatch it and everything because man, that, that environment was just like, Oh, that (laughs) was
1: so like before that. And I think it was Cole Kublick who said this is that, Tennessee won't get, and for obvious reasons, will not get the, like, kudos for this, Um, but the atmosphere was electric in there. There was a video uh, that actually I shared in Slack with all of you guys about, like, a video from the the atmosphere, kind of the light show that they had at Neyland Stadium and all of that. Like, it looked really fun up until Mm -hmm. it didn't, Um, (laughs) in which things kind of turned. And I'm going to have to go back and watch that, too, but sneakily Ole Miss has actually become a fun team to watch um and as you guys who've listened to this podcast probably have now heard me say a couple of times here like oh i have a little bit of investment in kind of old miss and mississippi state football because my wife's family is all down there and so her like her and her side of the family are all mississippi state fans so me even giving credit to old miss right now i'm gonna get yelled at if one of them listens to this episode um but like but the end of the other half of the family will be totally fine because they like old miss but like They've become fun to watch, and that series is now really interesting just because of like the two coaches um, that are involved. But Ole Miss plays a style of football, especially offensively, that you you can't help but to watch. Which is why it'll be curious. And we were talking about kind of coaches to watch, and you know that Luke Fickle is going to come up. It seems like Lane Kiffin's name continues to come up um, in some of these different things. And I even saw a thing where in in regards to LSU, with like, hey, maybe Lane Kiffin. Um, But I wonder if. And the whole, like, he's he matured thing, and I agree with that, is where this comes in. I wonder if he doesn't think, you know, I'm happy at this place if he is indeed happy. I I should stay here and try to build here because if I go, like, if Lane goes to LSU, for example, or goes to, well, he can't go to USC because he's already there, but, like, <laughs> LSU or, like, another big high-profile, let's say Miami comes open, Um then you know that the pressure is different there. Whereas Ole Miss, yeah, they want to win championships. And I'm putting air quotes around this, but like, really, how good are you supposed to be down there? It's kind of in the blueprint is really um, in another part of the state in Starkville, right? Dan Mullen won enough games at, at mississippi state for years that he was never going to be in jeopardy he had a couple of 10 win seasons down there um had back prescott and all those guys were kind of rolling in a nice way they would have never gotten rid of him and that's why in part like the state fans are so mad to this day at dan mullen for leaving because they embraced him and they wanted him to stay but he needed a different challenge and all of that and i just wonder if lane doesn't see that and think "Eh, i'll just stay here and wait it out i've done the big job thing before
0: Yeah, I think um, with these jobs that are going to be coming open, I think there's always going to be a possibility of Lane jumping ship just because of what he's done in his career. But like I said earlier, he's more mature now, so I think that likelihood is a lot less right now. But, um, yeah, I think Ole Miss is definitely okay with being kind of like the cool guy, the cool guy, like and just like maybe always – Always possible about knocking off Alabama. Always possible. Yeah, we could about, always like,
1: be in the mix. Yeah.
0: always be in the mix, but maybe not just win a championship because, like, you know, they're old Miss. Like, that can't happen. But I do yeah. think they're definitely, they're definitely okay with being that cool team with a cool head coach and just being that kind of, like, team in the SEC.
1: Yeah, and especially if they continue winning the Egg Bowl. Like, that would also help for them. Um, But, okay, so one thing I want to get to before we get to put him on blast, because we were talking about the coaching search thing, and I want to get your take on this. Um, Mel Tucker, his name has come up already, like, and I heavily. His name was coming up, and I meant to share this, actually, when I saw it on Saturday before all of the news came out about Ed Orgeron. um, I, I think it was Feldman. I think it was Bruce Feldman on the Fox pregame show that said that, hey, the name that I keep hearing for LSU is Mel Tucker. Um, and I honestly had forgotten that he was an assistant there under Nick Saban. And so there is a tie there. Obviously, he's doing a good job this season um, at Michigan State. When you initially heard that, what was your take, I guess, uh, when you heard that like Mel Tucker is now kind of a hot name out there? It's just all happening so quickly
0: with that guy. That's yeah. how I'm. That's what I'm thinking now. Yes, yeah, it it is kind of like an interesting name because he does have roots in the SEC, and he did he did work for some really great programs down there. I think he was on Georgia's staff too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's like. The style of offense that he runs to like where like he still wants to run the ball, but then also like go off a play action and throw it down the field that just speaks SEC to me, you know, and it's just like everything, everything that he's done he's kind of like what he did that one year at Colorado and then um, what he's doing right now at Michigan State like how far can he can he take the Spartans. Like obviously, like yes, you you take a good look at Mel Tucker, so I definitely see him as as a possibility. But man, it's all happening so quickly with this guy that makes you think like, is he for real? Like I don't know. We kind of want to see some sustained success, right, before we start like giving him these jobs. But yeah, he's he's definitely one to look. I definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah, here's the the thing that I would say about that, and this is and because the other thing that will always naturally come up with him is oh, he left Colorado so quickly um, that he'd be leaving uh, Michigan State quickly. Um, And he hasn't had the same success, like you said, but hey, if LSU doesn't have a problem with it, then it is what it is, right? If they want to hire him, and if I'm Mel Tucker, I I don't walk to LSU, I run. Like, I would be down there so fast, sorry to Michigan State, but there is always going to be a ceiling at Michigan State that does not exist at LSU. Your ceiling at LSU is national championships and we could really build this thing or continue really into this thing being a power. Like you always um, are like, especially coming off with the amount of talent that they already have on the roster, we're a couple of tweaks away from being an SEC championship contention, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. at Michigan State, I feel like you almost always have to catch lightning in a bottle like you are doing this year to then be able to be, because if you think about it, like they're always going to be second fiddle in the state to Michigan right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and it's always just going to be tougher than to consistently beat Michigan. It's, they're generally going to be behind Penn State in the East. They're always going to be behind Ohio State in the East. And then you've got whoever you've got to try to deal with in the West, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a tough thing um, for me to see how you sustain that success. So if, yeah, you can go ahead and you can get that one-year deal going and then go ahead and go to LSU, I absolutely take that if I'm him um I, but i do understand the reservations though
0: yeah absolutely i mean i'm never gonna fault a guy for like you know getting a better job like all of his places that he's been it's been a step up i believe oh, yeah. that colorado and like okay so we got the head job at colorado that's awesome you know take a step forward to the, a big 10 program michigan state that's that was above colorado in my in my book and so yeah you're always looking for that next thing and and hey if he's got it rolling right now maybe strike while the iron's hot so you don't have to show (laughs) anything bad so things don't get bad at Michigan State before you take another job but um yeah I don't know it's really interesting and I see where the see where the um kind of people looking at him for that for that opening i see where it's coming from and well i i don't hate it (laughs) no i
1: I would at least least, this is what i always say about things that like i don't really have a vested interest in just keep it interesting i think that that would be interesting so i i definitely would want to see that now every week we end the show with a segment that we call put them on blast where we basically put someone on blast as something that they did or said put them on blast I've already spoiled mine because we've talked about it, but that's okay because they deserve to be mentioned twice. I'm going to go with Tennessee fans um, with who I'm putting on blast. You can't do that. Like you just cannot um, get <laughs> out here throwing stuff on a field. And I really, really hope that this is not a precursor of anything that we're going to see moving forward in some of these other rivalry games. Cause we've got a bunch of them left to come because you know, you hit the downs. um, that end the season stretch and you get that last weekend, especially where you get all these rivalry games. Like I really hope that that's not something that other schools end up being out here emulating. Um, But Tennessee fans definitely have to go on blast and it did not do anything to really dissuade that feeling out there that Tennessee fans aren't really in touch with reality um, because they're they're one of those fan bases that gets a lot of flack on social media for that. And in this case, it's all well-deserved. And I think the Tennessee fans for just like making a fool of yourselves and making a spectacle. They honestly could have called the end of that game. um, And no one would have really been like, you know, too bit out of shape about it. But yeah, Tennessee fans definitely have to go on blast for that. Steve, who are you putting on blast?
0: I'd have to go just Scott Frost and and mentioning that little details got us. It's like, yeah, we know everybody knows. Um, So maybe just like stop saying that at post, like just, Hey, coach speak coach speak just like say nothing and say a lot you know what I mean just say words that really don't mean anything that's what I'm kind of looking at right there for him but yeah um just little little details got us beat yeah we know so that's just going to make everybody a little bit more upset I think so
1: was it the I'm thinking was it the Michigan State game you know all the Michigan State talk was it the Michigan State game where we all kind of felt like he was a coach that looked like he had no more answers was it I think I think it was the Michigan State one. It was either Michigan's. I, I'm pretty sure um, that's what it kind of feels like as we continue to say this, like the details got us because the and I know what fans are, will say because I've had people say this to me. Well, hey, Greg, why don't you guys ask the follow up question of what don't like how do you fix that? The reason we don't, and I'm gonna be honest with you, the reason we don't is because there's nothing he's going to say to that. Number one, but yeah, number he two, but number two, like what would you say to that? If I were to say, well, hey, coach, how do you fix those little details? I, there isn't really an answer for that, which actually underscores the problem, right? Like because he went on to speaking of the detail thing. He also continued that and said, like, you know, all I'll continue to do is is detailing it up. We'll keep detailing and see. And, And I just don't know. At some point, I think you have to come to the realization that a lack of fundamentals and attention to detail just is something that this program is under Frost. Like that just for whatever reason and whether it's, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that special team situation, to be totally honest. Like it's all in the same kind of mix, right? Of why they can't get that right because they just don't pay enough attention to the details for whatever reason. They give a lot of lip service to it, but it's clear that they really don't value it. Mm -hmm. And so, and and it's especially bad because you're in a conference in which that's basically the only thing that matters to the vast majority of teams that you're going to play. Unless you're playing Ohio State and Penn State, basically teams that are really going to have a talent advantage, everyone else is basically in the same boat. Of we know that we have to win by doing the little things. Like it's the two the reason that's the reason why Nebraska struggles so much with Iowa and Wisconsin and and now Minnesota too is because those programs. Like they go to bed at night thinking about the details. They go to those practices and they know that if we don't do the little things right, we're going to get chewed out or we're going to have to run it again. Like they just know that it's in the DNA of those programs. And for whatever reason, it's not at Nebraska, no matter how many times he continues to say at press conferences that the, that the details beat us. Because they also the other thing real quick is that at what point, though, do you just do something different? like you've obviously said this after at least 10 games. Like yeah. something has to something has to give.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely and and you mentioned just doing the little little things, right? Like Iowa, like I, look at Iowa. You know, they're of course they just got knocked off by Purdue, but they're still sitting pretty. They're still a really good um football program and they have a really bad offense. Oh, yeah, so what offense do they do? So bad. <laughs> but what do they do? They they have a great defense and they have great special teams. Like that punter I think he's an Australian. He pinned, he pinned um, Penn state inside, like the 10, like, I don't know, three times, four times. They have great special teams. They have great defense and they're still winning like real, a good amount of games with bad offense.
1: Yeah. They'll still end up winning the West because, but even despite having like no sizzle on offense whatsoever. none. None. um, And honestly, a bunch of like, they have a lot of players on defense. That like I, and I've seen I have, I've said this before and I think that like Iowa takes a lot of players that I think t- other teams would not would get them in recruiting and think like oh man, why do we take that guy? But you know what Iowa is and this goes to that whole like culture and like we know what we're, we are and what we're going to do. Iowa knows. That guy right there may be a two-star. He may not have had any, like, a lot of other Power 5 offers, but I know what I can build that guy into because I've done it before with insert guy X, right? And you can see that on their defensive line. You see it in their linebacker core. They get some better athletes in the secondary, but they also get those better athletes in the secondary because they those guys have been able to see a number of guys in Iowa secondary go on to the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just interesting to, to see this, the compare and contrast in what has, has transpired at Iowa, because this year is the perfect year to see it. Like everybody thought that they wouldn't be as good. They obviously. And again, that offense is bad. Uh, but they still find a way to get it done because the other parts of the game are not, are not neglected.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say like, I really respect what Iowa does with like how they play and they develop. They're not flashy. They don't care about flashy flash. And Minnesota is another program like that. I love, like, I know a lot of people like to make jokes about them, (laughs) but PJ flex also kicking Nebraska's butt. Right. And I really respect what they have going on. You're going to, you know what you're going to get, you know, opponents know what they're going to get from Minnesota, but I mean, games like Saturday still, still happen where they just like, keep coming after you. They make you, they they make you make the mistakes. And you know, it's just, man, it just seems like Nebraska is not like other big 10 West or big 10 teams. You know, they're, I just,
1: they're just still. And, and the reason to wrap all of that up is, because they still struggle to have an actual identity. Like what we're really talking about is those other teams and programs, they know who they are, what they want to be, how they're going to get there. And honestly, we're, four years in with Scott Frost and we still really don't have a great grasp of what the team's identity is. And it was starting. And honestly it was shifting right over the course of this season to where like you're starting to run more of the coastal Carolina flair option, like their flavor of option, like, which I, I like, I like that idea, but we still just didn't, I still don't think we see enough of that. Um, That's a whole different topic, but like, I still, I just think that Nebraska struggles to find the true identity that they need and, the, and so when the going gets tough, they know what they're going to fall back on, and they just don't have that.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And it's, you know, if you're a fan of Nebraska, it's just got to be disheartening to see teams like um, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, Minnesota know who they are um, and just, like, win more games than you, and you're stuck, and you're stuck in, in Lincoln just, like, running, running an offense that hasn't dove full in like Coastal Carolina is. So they won't do that. But um, that just leaves, leaves them to not really having anything that they can rely on, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Now, that, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, subscribe to this podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave, far, four, if you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps post game show and the Hail Varsity radio show. Also, you can check out the Hail Varsity YouTube page. I am back on there with another recruiting question of the week video. You can get after us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB and at Steve underscore Mark. Uh, you can also email the show at straight up breakdown of I will catch you guys next week. A Huda
0: Media Production.